back corner <laughs> when I'm not presenting. Listening in. And listen in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bash University Live here on Tuesday night. Take a quick break. Watch John Cruz's on the Tokyo rig. Be a part of the show. Get some chances to win some awesome prizes. As fast you go. You know, we didn't have that back then. And, 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 dude, it, it can just... That text thread gives me so much energy. I mean, like I'm dialing. Everybody, welcome to Bass University Live. Uh, glad you could hang out with us tonight. Very excited. To, there's so much going on right now with everybody at Bass University. Uh, I'm just fresh back from uh, the Bass Open at Thousand Islands. Ike and I both competed there this week and, um, and concluded the BFL season. A lot of fun. Great, great time hanging out with all those guys and finishing up also. Uh, on Thousand, well, St. Lawrence River, Adam Messina, on uh, finishing up that tournament trail, and it was, uh, it's been a lot going on. The carpenters catching multi-species out of 200 feet of water. Uh, Riz, Riz is always busy uh, with rod in his hand, and we have with us tonight, uh, who who I love when he's on our show, uh, just a wealth of knowledge. Uh, great to have him again tonight. Is Ken Duke is going is with us tonight? We've got. Um, we're going to be talking about Thousand Islands. We're going to be talking about the history of this body of water, the importance it's, it has in the sport of fishing for the Bassmaster Classic, for so many anglers um, getting their career kicked off here at this body of water. And, uh, and it's, it's got so much history, and it's changed so much uh, from being largemouth dominated to now smallmouth, uh, just absolutely crushing everything. And we've got Colo, our guy. Uh, from Humminbird, Minn Kota, who uh, set another Guinness world record for a 24-hour uh, fish catching uh, craziness. And it, it, it's, uh, I, I, we love having him on the show. He's so full of juice. Uh, I'm so excited to, to hear about uh, his new record and, and the great cause that, that he does this for. So he's going to be on with us here in just a little bit, and we'll be able to talk also about Mega Live mega 360 and all your hummingbird stuff uh we'll be talking to him here in just a little bit so it's going to be a great show hang in there with us um jake or uh btc riz good to have you guys with us we got us off, off up and off the ground pretty good yeah surprised <laughs> yeah so, uh, yeah smooth here, here we are yeah it so. happened might maybe we'll see hopefully yeah. yep oh Hopefully. Well, it's, it, it's all good. It's good to have you guys. And, uh, and of course, Ken Duke. Thanks again, buddy. Appreciate you joining the party tonight, buddy. Yeah. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Whenever I hear from you guys, I, I'm usually wearing my Bass U cap, so I'm usually ready to go on the air at a moment's notice, just so you know. Gotta love it. <laughs> Always ready. That's like, right. that's we'll, like when he talks. Yeah. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be calling you next Tuesday, Ken. <laughs> 
I love the prep. I, I wish everybody could see the prep for the show because I, I had forgotten that I put my, the mute button on my computer hours ago. And so uh, Brian and Riz are scrambling, trying to find out why I'm not replying to them. And uh, you know, you hear things me? are getting you serious. <laughs> you know, things are getting serious, Pete, when Brian puts his readers on. Oh, <laughs> that's a sign that that's a lie. That all hell has broken loose and, and somebody's got to save the day. <laughs> that's a dang lie. <laughs> no, I, I don't wear well, them things. <laughs> yeah. That, I, it's fun to watch him scramble for the readers. Him and me both. We're always seem to be short a pair when we need them. Lies everywhere. <laughs> well, it's, it's going to be great. I, Ken, you have so much knowledge on the sport, man. And we're talking about one of the bodies of water that's, man, been, we've been, sports been going there for 30 years or more, 40 years or more. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Pete. I mean, the first time that uh, BASS, for example, went to the St. Lawrence River was back in 1977. Uh, it, was a, it was a different fishery at that time. Uh, there were a lot more largemouth being caught at that time. Um, what really put the St. Lawrence on the map though, uh, was when they took the classic there in 1980. It's, it's still, I think, probably the farthest they've ever taken the classic north. I think it's further north than the uh, 2000 classic when they were in Chicago and uh, just an amazing fishery. It is, it's beautiful um, as well. The water's crystal clear. And there's, you know, there's islands everywhere. It's just, it's very unique. It's a unique piece of water uh, in, the, in the country. So, and it was a treat, treat to be there. Look forward to diving into that with you. Uh, there's, there's so much to talk about. Um, you know, and let me interrupt you, can... you, Pete, and congratulate you, man, for winning the points title and, and AOI in the BFLs. That is a yes. big deal. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you recognizing that. It's a, uh, it was fun, you know, it was, uh, it, it kind of started off, uh, with, uh, Justin Kimmel kind of goading me into, uh, getting out there and, and fishing the BFLs here locally. I know Riz is, uh, he won the super tournament last year on the upper Chesapeake and, uh, I participated in that. And, um, you know, so we started out there this year and ne next thing I know, the next, you know, the next tournaments on the schedule, I'm not signed up and I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going. And, uh, and I just kept entering the tournaments and found myself, uh, in the points lead after, after four events and, uh, in, in a perfect position to throw it all away at thousand <laughs> islands. And I almost did. <laughs> well, now when you're out there fishing the BFLs, uh, and you're seeing a lot of, a lot of guys out there, because usually there's some big, big fields in the BFLs. Do you see a lot of, of, of Bass U subscribers and members? Uh, it's tremendous. Our, the, our subscribers are there and it's, it's great. And that's, I love participating in it because of that. Everybody comes up and tells me what they like and their favorite seminar and how it's helping them. And, and, uh, my subscribers are, uh, they're in, they're my partners, my co-anglers, uh, a lot of times, uh, my, my co-angler from, uh, the, the last day of the BFL, um, you know, him and his whole club for, you know, are subscribers to Bashu TV and, um, and it's great. It, it's great to interact with them all and, and see everybody out there, see the Bashu colors flying. And, um, and it was great to represent Bashu out there, you oh. know, it, not just represent, but uh, you, you 
put the throw down on him. You showed him that the dean <laughs> is still in charge. That's right. Still, there's still, there's still a lot to learn from the dean. Still in charge. It, it was, it was pretty good, you know. And and the waves come like uh, it's it's crazy when you start knocking out those top tens. And it seems like when you get on a body of water, like everywhere you throw, there's a four pounder, and it's it's an unusual sensation. And I tried to ride it as as long as I could. And, um, you know, I just, I'll give you the, the, the version of what happened to me on the last day up there, because I had never fished out of Messina. Messina is about an hour and a half east of Clayton, New York, where it's the only part of the river system I've ever fished out of. Uh, and I prepared for the open. I put my eggs in that basket and I, uh, I come, I, you know, so coming out of Messina, I had some help from Ike. Ike had fished, you know, a lot in that part of the river and 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 he was helpful getting me in into what we thought was a really good area and uh man i could not make it happen ken it was a long boat ride and the the bites were not coming uh we had a 15 inch limit and i'm catching 12 inch smallmouth which don't help you in any way but any one of those fish would get me the points championship i just need to not goose egg that's all i needed to do i mean great shape and and i have to i want to 12 o'clock leads to one o'clock goes to two o'clock and i have to depart i have to leave my area at 2 30 uh drop dead to make it on time it's just a hour and change boat ride back and uh and you know, what i wound up doing was uh i wound up fishing shallow i wound up picking up a spinnerbait uh and i you know i intended on drop shot everything i'd been doing all week was 15 to 30 feet of smallmouth were deep and just could not make that happen. And uh, the wind blown points, classic pattern uh, anywhere in the country, guys, if you ever get in trouble, <laughs> like I was wind blown points, if they are not muddy, uh, if the wind's blowing on them and there's some good clarity there, pick up a spinner bait. That's what I did. I put a three and a half pound smallmouth in the boat. Uh, with probably 15 minutes to spare, and and that that gave me the AOI title. Catching that catching that one fish uh, is is what did it for me. And um, I wound up putting another one in the boat shortly thereafter. And uh, and then of course ran out of time. And I but I was so excited. What a fun way to catch fish. Uh, and but I didn't have the time to explore the pattern. So. Uh, I'm gonna have to go up there next weekend, maybe, and throw some spinnerbaits around. Pete, what you what you just said, it 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 like rings something home to me listening, and I think it will for a lot of our guys listening as well. That even though you know you knew at that point it was late in the day, you probably weren't going to be able to put together the whole five. Just those two fish were so key for you to win that AOI. Like if you just said, if you don't get one of those two bites or both of those bites, you don't win the AOI. So it just like, it reinforces the fact that like, even when you're having a bad tournament and you know, the day is just going to crap, even if it's not a point series, don't give up on that day. Keep working, keep trying to figure out how to produce that one bite, that one more bite after you get the first bite. Just like Kevin Short was saying last week, one bite leads to the next bite. So like, you know, don't, don't, don't throw the towel in on those tough days because you never know 
when that resiliency that you're learning as you're fishing is going to kick in for you in the event where you need that one or two fish to win the AOI. You know, it's like a lot of guys say all the time when you're when you're out practicing or you're just fun fishing, treat every time you're out there like it's the Bassmaster Classic and you always just need one more fish to win the Classic. That in that moment, Pete, you making that decision to go up shallow, get the spinnerbait in your hand, get a couple bites. Now you're the AOI. You know, it's it just it it really rings home to uh, you know treat every tournament like you're uh, like like you're fishing for the big one. So. Yeah, well, it, it it's it's kind of weird, and I do that, Rich. Honestly, when I when I'm out training mm-hmm. guys, it's one of it's one of the tools that I use to train guys with uh, to put them on the clock. Yeah. All right. We we we've had a we've had a training day or a practice day. We've got one hour. You have to get a bite mm-hmm. uh, in this one hour. What are you going to do? And 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 put yourself in. You know what it's like? It's like the uh, I, I I read a lot of. Uh, coaching books for uh for basketball for ncaa basketball coach shashevsky and bobby knight and they do all these game play situation stuff mm-hmm. you know where okay we got 30 seconds on the clock we we're down by one okay here's here's what we're going to practice and they do that over and over again or we're up by one and we have to protect our lead and i and i i thought man we need to apply that to fishing yep you know how can we apply that like i need to get five or I need to get one, mm-hmm. put, put yourself in those situations because yeah. most guys only practice decision-making in a tournament. Right. And, and man, that's, that's a tough, that's a, that's a hard place yeah. to be practicing that, yep. you know, you, especially when you can do it, you can do it on a, on a, on a regular fishing day, get some really good decision-making practicing in and uh, man, it, it, it can pay big dividends. I love that you channeled your inner Mike McClelland, your inner Todd Faircloth, your inner Gerald Swindle, the guys who always come to the scales with fish. And, and also, you know, kudos to you, Dean, because you were, you were wide open and, and absolutely aware of what it was going to take for you to win the points. And you knew, you knew the way to do that. So, uh, and, and very ballsy to, uh, to wait to that, last minute a very gutsy move just wanted to keep them sweating <laughs> oh well i tell very you gutsy. It, it would have been it, it it's weird and and this is uh we they moved our limit up to 15 inches for the bfls uh for no matter what the state regs are um and so we had a 12 inch limit on that tournament and and, and i i caught five uh, 12 to 15 inch fish prior to finally catching the good ones, you know? So that, that put a lot of pressure on me. It really did. Did the 15 inch limit Pete help you overall though? Did that kind of play into your style? Uh, you mean for the year for the year? Uh, no. Well, I tell you what, this, this tournament was the only tournament, even this tournament, Ken, I went in every single event with a, a a plan to win right that i i never went after points i never tried to to and that's why i was in such deep trouble um you know i had uh you know i had ran by some areas that you know that i thought maybe i could get some fish at um in order to get to where i thought i could win you know 
and I, I am, so I invested and I, I stayed invest even up until like an hour to go, you know, I know it can happen fast. It's thousand islands. There's a, there's so many four and five pounders and yeah. you, you can put them in the boat quick. And, um, you know, so yeah, I, I fished, I fished to win every single time in, in these events. And it's a lot of fun. I do the same thing in the opens back when, uh, I was my first ever tournament was on thousand islands. I finished middle of the pack and I was happy to score the points and get the points. Uh, but now my goal is not to get points. I'm not trying to make the elites. I'm trying to make the classic again. And so I'm practicing winning, uh, you know, every time out of the gate. And I, I love it. I'm having so much fun swinging for the bleachers in these tournaments. It's, um, it, 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 it's really, it's really fun because if I was after points and making those checks, uh, I'd be really mad because I missed the check at the open by one ounce. Um, <laughs> do, do you have any stats on that? Like who has missed the money more than Pete Kluzek by one ounce? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that. I can tell you some of the guys who have been bubble boy for making the classic uh, more than anybody else. Guys like Mark Menendez and, and even Jonathan Van Dam and uh, Wu Daves who have, all missed multiple classics by being the first guy out. Oh, I could picture that's over the course of a, of a season, but when you're the bubble boy like that, that's, that's kind of painful. Yeah. We win a bubble. We win a bubble. <laughs> I see. It was, it was a multiple bubble boy. I see it. And it's hilarious because if you talk to a lot of these guys who fish the elites or used to fish the top one fifties or whatever, there's invariably about 10 of them who think they're the bubble boy. And of course, only one could be the bubble boy, but it's hilarious. You know, everybody thinks that they're the, they're the one being victimized. Oh. Yeah. I, well, it hurts. I'm, this is a great story. Ken, I don't know if you've heard this story. I'm going to tell it because I don't know if other guys well, might have a song I, about I, it. I like fished, here, here we go. The, here we go. <laughs> oh, and Lake then living color reference there. <laughs> Lake Very Eufaula. Nice. Yes. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in good position to make the classic. I'm right there. I'm, I'm in, but I need to have a middle of the pack or better tournament. And I finished middle of the pack. So I can't even sit around the way. I'm so nervous. I just go for an hour and a half drive because they got to tabulate the results, wait for everybody to finish weighing in. I come back and it's all over. And I, this is back before we got text messages, right? We had to get printed pieces of paper. Uh, Smoke with, signals. Yeah, smoke signals uh, with uh, with the information on it, and um, and I pull up, and on the PA system, they're saying, "Pete Kluza, can you please report to the you know media um, trailer?" And I go in there, and I'm I'm thrilled, and I sit down, and Tim Tucker's there, and he goes, "Pete, puts the mic in my face. What's it feel like to be the first guy out of the class?" <laughs> oh. oh my goodness. It sounds like a Tim Tucker story. I love Tim. I miss Tim every day. <laughs> he, uh, that, that, he, I couldn't even speak. I had to walk out. That's first. I think that may be the only interview that I did not uh, participate in. Uh, not, not, oh, not only I didn't want to, but I, I literally couldn't. I could not speak. So yeah, you're, you're, you're a class act, man. I know you would have <laughs> endured Tim's tough questions if you could. That's a brutal spot to put you in, though. But what, what was the next Tim move, was, Pete? What, what, how, did, how did you how did you handle it? I want to know that. 
Because I was just I, going back to what you were saying before about, you know, the ride you've been on and, you know, mm-hmm. last sec- second you're catching them. And I just keep thinking about uh, that's every event I'm fishing. I'm really fishing hard to the last second and don't catch them. And I'm like, one of these times I'm going to. And I don't. And then I, but, and then I don't. So I, I, <laughs> I haven't broke nothing yet, but I thought about it. So how about you, Pete? Break anything lately? Have I then? broke anything? Yeah, well, you know, when Tim Tucker hit you with that. Oh, well, no. When he hit me with that, dude, I, it was like, it, it was, it wasn't anger. It was like, I, I didn't even care about Tim Tucker. I, I was, I was so disappointed that I, that I failed to make a classic, you know, yeah. uh, cause you, you know, when you're young career, man, you everything's hinging on it. You get bonuses that pay your mortgage. You get, um, you know, new sponsor opportunities. You, there's so much great that happens to you when you make it and so much bad that doesn't, you know? <laughs> so you're like, you're, you're staring into the abyss, you know, like, Oh my God, can I do this another year? Can I bankroll this, uh, for, you know, and, and try it again, you know, um, you know, so you're staring at it, man. Um, so no, I, I wasn't in the mood to smash things. I was more in the mood to, you know, cry, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and that's, uh, guys go, you know, this is a, it's a, every sport's tough, man. When you're right on the edge of, of, of that, man, I, I, it's just such a hard thing to handle and everybody handles it differently. We know, we know our buddy smashes stuff <laughs> uh, and we grew up together. <laughs> um i you know i'm that's not me and um but i just i walked out man he was like i I was trying to talk i remember trying to talk and i couldn't and uh tim actually gave me an out he's like well we don't have to talk about this right now and without saying a word i just i just walked out and uh you didn't get the buffet or nothing nothing so um anyway it's 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 uh you know it's so awesome when you make it and it's so, it's so valuable. It's a sport that anybody that participates in it loves it, man. They, you know, and to get to the pinnacle, to get to the classic is such a, such an awesome thing. And especially in your young career, like I was then, you know, back in the 1700s, and, <laughs> you know, you and we, uh, <laughs> pre Gobi, pre Gobi Pete, by the way, yep. uh, yeah. Ken Pete predates to Gobi. We learned that a couple shows ago. <laughs> yeah. well, I predate Pete, so don't give Pete a hard time. You're by reference, you're giving me a hard time. So nah. take it easy, guys. Hey, we well. age thing. Hey. Yeah. yeah, we are pre Gobi. The uh the Gobi, the the zebras, we're gonna be post zebra people uh now. Can I I don't know if you knew this or you guys knew this, but the zebras on both Champlain and Erie are uh, disappearing. And we see carcasses of the zebra mussels everywhere and uh they're you're not breaking off near as much you're not hanging up on them near as much you ain't around them then the zebra so you were you you were getting bites but you weren't in zebra mussel patches during the your events up there oh yeah okay yeah yeah I, i mean you're just not they're just not they're just not as prolific as they once were. Right. BTC, they covered everything. Okay. I mean, everything. It was like a blanket. 
And now you, they're still there, but they're sparse. They're, they're dribs and drabs of them, especially on Champlain. There's, there's wood pilings that you would see them covered from surface all the way to the bottom. I mean, you're what, you couldn't see a piece of wood. It was just zebras surrounding the entire thing. Now you might, you know, see a dozen mussels on a piling, you know, mm-hmm. um, they, they, they claim the gobies are eating them. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. We'll have to get Gene in here and uh, talk to us about uh, what's happening with uh, the zebra mussels, but they're, uh, they seem to be going away. Hey, speaking of mussels, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to right now beg you guys to do a seminar or a a basque live show on fishing shell beds, mussel beds. It's a huge deal here in Florida, as you know, and, um, and it's not, you know, I'm getting better at finding these beds, but you guys have some real experts that you're in touch with who can do a, a much better job and, and, and teach us all something about that. And that's, a, I think that'd be a very popular subject. We, we, we uh, dove into that uh, on our uh, bucket list uh, down at Lake Chickamauga. We had uh, um, the DNR folks from Tennessee from, um, you know, that specialize in dealing with mussels and there's so much that we, we, we just touched it. Um, and we had experts that are at fishing the around zebras and where they look or zebras, but mu- freshwater mussels, um, mm-hmm. and where they locate themselves, how, why the bass, you know, and the bait is all around those things. There is a lot going on there. And, um, and you have, there's a lot of mussels down in Florida. Like we, I, you know, when we, first started fishing toho nobody talked about mussels and in recent tournaments it's it's all about the mussel beds there too yeah and and they're not i mean today's electronics have made it easier to find them and uh and the studies the, the effort i've had to, to learn more about the muscle life cycle has helped me find them and there are certain places i can always count on finding these shell beds but i'd love for you guys to to pick the brains of uh, of some experts on this because that would be a great show. And you don't have to air it for all the Bass U members. You can just you know, <laughs> just send it to me is fine. That works. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll direct message it, Ken. We'll, we'll get we'll get you dialed in. Get, we, you it's soon. interesting because we um, I always like they're filter feeders. Muscles are filter feeders. They're around current. They're typically in the face of the current. But many of the anglers that I talk to are fishing the backsides of shoals, places that are less current. And it's, it's, it's really interesting and it's changing and it's, it's very dynamic uh, about what's going on with, with the muscle beds. But we're on the job, Mr. Duke, and we will I keep posted. It. <laughs> That's a big deal for us here in Florida, especially. But really, those kind of freshwater mussels, they're all over the country. They, they absolutely are. There's so many varieties, too, which I didn't realize. There's hundreds and probably thousands of varieties of, of different mussels, and they're so important uh, in all of our waterways. But we're, what we're going to do is, guys, we're going to be talking about a little bit of history of Thousand Islands. We're going to be uh, uh, talking about a lot of really cool stuff. Get your questions together for smallmouth, largemouth, uh, some Thousand Island stuff, any, anything you guys want to talk about. We will tackle it. Um, right now, guys, it's getting to be fall. 
in if your boat's not covered, you need to get yourself an Empire cover. Uh, use the code BASHU21. It's going to get you a massive deal, whether it's your camper, whether it's your boat, your jet ski, even your even guys. We want even guys that own jet skis. We want to we want them to keep them covered. Mm. But um, guys, go check that out. And uh, we've got a lot of other great stuff going on tonight. We've got a Facebook like and share. What else do we have going on tonight, Riz? Yeah, as always, Pete, uh, we're, we're going to be taking questions from our Bash University TV subscribers. Um, and those guys that we uh, bring in questions from, we're going to give away a couple of uh, Gills Gear gift cards tonight, $25 gift cards uh, to our from our folks over there at Gills. Um, also, uh, tonight, we got a grand prize going out the door that our good friends over at Aquaview are going to be hooking somebody up with an Aquaview underwater camera. A micro 5.0 revolution is going to be our grand prize tonight, guys. And if you want a shot at winning that, you got to be a Bashu TV subscriber. Um, also, tonight we're going to be doing a, a Facebook like and share. So if you're watching over there on Facebook, just like and share tonight's feed, and you'll be entered in to win a uh, $50 prize pack from all our amazing sponsors over here at Bash University TV. Guys, and... Uh, Right now is a great time to get signed up. If you're on the fence about joining BashU TV, when you sign up right now, you're going to save $20 on your annual membership and you're going to get a $25 shopping spree to Tackle Warehouse. So you're going to get the information and we're going to hook you up with a gift card to go out and get that tackle, guys. The fall transition's coming. Get loaded up. Let's start learning at the Bash University and get that gear from Tackle Warehouse. Awesome, Rich. So cool to talk to everybody uh, about Bashu and, and how they're using it to, to advance their fishing at the BFLs and the Opens. All Everybody is uh, is part of the program. It's great to see the hats and the logos. And thanks, everybody, for uh, you know coming by and saying hi and letting me know that. Uh, anybody that sees me and you know wanna, wants to talk Bashu, come on up. Love to hear your stories, uh, your criticisms, your positives, negatives. Come see me. Love to hear it and appreciate all you guys being part of the program. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back. We're going to be talking Thousand Islands and a lot of other stuff at Bash University Live. Aquaview, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for, catch more fish, have more fun. Aquaview, seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fishing rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That they're made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hook set. Boom goes the dynamite. Some would say obsessed. There's no place on earth we'd rather be than right here, right now. Performance-driven gear, so you can fish longer, 
harder. Gills Performance Fishing. Uh, 2021 Red Crest Champion Dustin Connell here. And if you watch live coverage, we just got done at Lake Eufaula. I caught my fish using the active target with Lawrence. What you didn't see is I run a sea clear power harness in my boat. One of the main advantages to running this harness is it does not drain my batteries down at all running my four units. And what that's gonna allow me to do is I'm able to see my bait at 8 a.m. just as good late in the day. Y'all check them out at seaclearpower.com. You take pride in your boat, so it deserves the best protection possible. Our durable woven fabric prevents ripping and provides UV protection. And our tape seams provide protection against the elements. The heavy-duty shock cord hem and strap and buckle system provide a tight and secure fit. Our top-of-the-line boat covers come with a ventilation system to keep your boat free from mold buildup. Empire Covers, protecting what you love. Pete, you gotta look at me to see the cues, Pete. I was, I was, I was double. I, was like, bah, 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 bah. I, 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 I just texted you that I can't see you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you, you, you disappeared. You disappeared from view on my, uh, on my Zoom feed. Yeah, what the, uh, I was right. I was right over here. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back. I love the Bashy banner uh, in the back. I like yeah, it. I, I love it when it's, it's the right one that's the right size and there's not like a piece of window and a piece of wood and spoiled wood over there. <laughs> Looks good. You guys yeah. looking sharp. Dressing up the studio. I like it. Yeah, you know, it's a half attempt. Is it half like fast it. or half assed? Oh, Ken, hold on. Uh, Is Ken ready? Ken would know the answer to that. Ken? Yes, sir. What's the question? Half assed or what is your... Or half fast. <laughs> Oh, well, I love some internet company did a great commercial about that. It's half a, half asked, but uh, they, they used half fast interchangeably with it. It was very funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that could have been the origin, you know, but who knows? Half bass. I know the origin, but I love the reference. <laughs> yeah. Sorry Nothing about like Bo, an awkward uh, bring back to the second segment. <laughs> Gotta love it. <laughs> Sorry about the bow situation. I <laughs> oh, don't worry about yeah. it. We were trying to get somebody on who's in his eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We and we were psyched for it. Uh, Bo Dowden. We were uh, we had talked to him about coming on, and I thought it was great. Um, you brought Bo to us, Ken, and I hadn't seen Bo for quite a few years, but i remember him vividly because in the early part of my career he was still competing on tour and um and it was awesome you know it was it was great to to be around him and a lot of those other super champions and uh um hopefully uh uh we'll we'll get to talk to him at some point but yeah, shout they, out to Bo. thanks yeah. for thanks for trying to get on yeah he they, really uh, wants to do it yes mm -hmm. he really does and congratulations to your induction into the Louisiana uh, Fishing Hall of Fame, uh, Mr. Dowden. T tell tell us about that, Ken. What what transpired? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he should be in the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame, but the Bass yes. Fishing Hall of Fame is 
too busy honoring mediocrities like Dave Precht and Steve Bowman. <laughs> Put them in a body bag. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I insulted mediocrities there. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Come on. Off the top ropes. <laughs> Man. Name and names and the whole bit, Mr. Duke. Savage. <laughs> I need another shot, Rich. Oh. Well, I'm, 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 I'm partly joking. I am. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, let's let's get to a come question on now. Quick here. I love the um. We we promise no negativity, Ken. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. I like to apologize to everybody. That was uncalled for and unfair, and I shouldn't have done that. And I apologize. <laughs> Well, well, I, I want a bad PR. I, I appreciate that Bo should be in the Hall of Fame. He's uh, he won he won the class on Thousand Islands, and it was uh, as you said earlier, it put um, it put the Thousand Islands on the map when he did that. It really did, and and you know, from that tournament set the record at the time for heaviest average bass in a classic two pounds, 15 ounces to pretty hefty fish, you know? Um, and that record lasted until 2014 when they went to Gunnersville. Um, so that shows you the quality of fishery that, that they have at the St. Lawrence. And it's, it's been remarkably steady through the years. And that was a large mouth go bag, to the St. Lawrence, especially if they stick to a 12 inch limit, you better have five and, and they better, they better weigh three pounds, you know, it's just what it takes there. Uh, four, four, oh, yeah, four. If you want to win four, if you want to actually get, get a check and maybe make, the, and you know, the cut. there was a tournament there not that long ago where, um, you know, the winner averaged five pounds of fish. So it's, uh, it's, it's an impressive fishery all the way around. I mean, that's just happens. I mean, the, the Johnson's, averaged over five pounds of fish 77 pounds um yeah. was was one i had i had almost a four pound average i i was just under 40 pounds i had 38 15 so i was just under 40 pounds and i finished 42nd place with the weights are just are like astounding like the, i mean this year takuitu had 90 pounds the year before chris johnson had 97 pounds it, it it's it's astounding when you think about the the average size and and when you think about the average size like Riz is talking about here if, if the average size is going to be two and three quarter to three and a quarter somewhere just a couple of ounces are going to separate 20 places mm -hmm. because everybody's catching them they're all about the same size um and one of the things about a, a smallmouth tournament that's true, and I've, I've tried to do a lot of research about this, is, you know, the big fish in a smallmouth, the big fish in a largemouth tournament is usually three, four times as big as the average fish, okay? okay? If the average fish is two and a quarter, the big fish might be eight, nine pounds. But in a smallmouth tournament, mm -hmm. the big fish is usually barely or not even twice the average fish. Huh. So it really makes it tough to distinguish yourself and, and to create a spread. You don't see much spread in the smallmouth tournaments. 
No, oh, except for the, these boys, these Johnson brothers, man, they are went they win with a, a sizable. I mean, for that, like you said, your point is a valid one. It's ounces separates everybody, but yeah. they found a they found some kind of method to to get over the hump. And I after fishing there, um, it's just amazing that when you set the hook, it's it, it's they just keep coming up big, and. Now, I, the last time I was there was probably 15 years ago, uh, pre-Gobi. <laughs> pre-Gobi uh, Pete. Pre-Gobi Pete. Pete. And, uh, PG, PG is the yeah. way I would say it, guys. <laughs> PG squared. <laughs> they, were, they weren't big. Like, a four-pounder was a perch eater, and, um, and that was huge. That was a giant. And uh, now, my goodness, you just – and they're, they're so – footballish like the short ones are they weigh three pounds 15 ounces it's it's crazy how how big they are and they're all they're everywhere you know they're out in the lake they're in the river uh all the way up to messina you know uh these these big giant smallmouth live and are are just it it should and it's a gorgeous fishery it's it's got to be one of the best fisheries on the planet i agree with you man you know bass has been there almost 25 times through the years, making it one of the top six or seven fisheries that they visit. And, and you don't do that unless the place is producing, mm -hmm. uh, producing in terms of, of good catches, producing in terms of, of good crowds, producing in terms of a, a good local community that really wants that kind of thing there. And, and Pete, when we opened the show, you, you referenced uh, some of the history about the St. Lawrence and, um, you know, a, a couple of Bassmaster Classic champions made their BASS debuts there. Um, and, and just, there is so much history about that place. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, guys like me who grew up in the deep South, we think of bass fishing as a Southern sport, but the St. Lawrence has as much history associated with it and it's bass fishing as just about any place in the country. Well, there's, there's some moments that stand out to me. And um, let me tell you, if, see if you remember these. Um, one of which, I tried to reach out to him and I couldn't, I couldn't find him, uh, is my friend Rick Lilligard. His big win where uh, on the last day of the tournament, his partner sat in the boat and retied his rods uh, so that Rick could catch a fish put it in the live well, he would hand Rick a new rod, catch a fish. And back when the pros, the invitationals, the pros were paired with the pros, his his guy sat in the boat and did that for him. And it was it was televised. What year was um, that? Was that 90? 97. 97. See, I tried to find that one on Lynn Dollar's YouTube channel. Lynn and Dollar. he has Lynn Dollar. And he has 96 and 98, <laughs> but he didn't have 97. <laughs> Come on, Lynn. <laughs> well, it's interesting that he has 96 and 98 because there were no BASS tournaments on the St. Lawrence in 96 or 98. Really. I screenshotted it. He screenshotted it. <laughs> I can't help you. Huh. Ironically, the fact that something has been screenshot does not make it true. Yeah, this is, yeah definitely true. Ken, how dare you? Look, 90, 96, 98, But I'm not being negative. Anymore, <laughs> I'm non-negative Ken. Well, they, okay? I guess it was a fake St. Lawrence oh, River. Good thing I didn't pull any content from them because I would have looked really goofy. 
There's a lot of places with some uh, shaky content out there. Is we won't yeah. we won't go into that because Bad that would be more keeping. of me being negative. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not about. Well, that. I remember that was an awesome show. It was awesome to see that win, and it was done with large mouth. Um, but one of the other uh, classic spider jig. It was a spider jig. Oh, That's right. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Yamamoto. Um, was it I Yamamoto? Think it was. Back in? I, well, it was certainly in that style. I uh, think it, that's what. I, no, think I that's bet what it, it was pre Yamamoto. Uh, as I as I recall, Wait. he did not mention the brand, but it was uh, green, brown, and orange. I'll tell you that. Ninety seven. Ninety seven. Green, huh. brown, and orange. Yeah, that's. Do you remember um, the clap the the Rat Bassmaster show on Thousand Islands? Ken, I don't. What? It was the man, the man's rat, and uh, be, before we had frogs uh, in Lake of the Isles. Um, gosh, who what Dusty Pine, Dusty Pine on a rat, um, and they played that little mousy twinkly music every time huh. the the rat was coming across the the mat. And them big largemouth and Lake of the Isles were coming up and smashing it. And uh, Dusty Pine won that tournament. That's pretty cool. Hey, while we're we're talking about some some pretty detailed specifics, you know, you mentioned Rick Lilligard's win with a spider jig in 97. Do you recall who caught big fish of that tournament? Oh uh, no. Yeah. Come on. Brow. Brow. I'm going to be horrified and embarrassed for all three of you guys if you don't get this. He wasn't even born. In 97? <laughs> Were you born? Yeah. Oh. Seven years old. Oh, all right. Come on. He was fishing back then. It's It's got to be. 97, the fish weighed four pounds, 15 ounces, and the angler's name was. Hibden. Here's a hint. Here's a hint. It's not me, but here's Ike. a hint. Ike. 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 Really? Whoa. How about no that? Big fish in that tournament. No kidding. Wow. No kidding. Ooh, Tom S. on the message board knew that, actually. Tom S. came in with Ike. He got the gills There you go. You know what? Yeah, you know what, Tom S.? You won yourself a Gills Gear gift card for that. Just because it's, it's Ike. Shout out to Ike, by the way, up there at St. Lawrence. He re-qualified for the Bassmaster Elites. How so, you know what, Tom S.? For bringing in that correct answer, and in honor of Ike requalifying for the elite blue and gold, you win yourself a twenty-five dollar Gills Gear gift card. Right on. Very nice, Ken. You got any stats on whether Ike's going to requalify or not? I mean, uh, or make uh, go back or not? Yes, one hundred percent chance that he's going to requalify. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I need another shot. Uh, as far as whether he'll go back or not, yeah, I don't. I don't know. You guys. You guys have more contact with Mike than I do, but I hope he does. I'll say that. Uh, I'll weigh in personally and say I hope he goes back. So do we. Um, man's got a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's either back to the Elite Series or dominate the kayak world. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, well, he, he certainly did that down on the Chesapeake, and I I don't know. I I I think it would be fun to see him back in competition. I know, uh, you know, he's got the show going on, and 
you know, man, it's all consuming being out there on tour for six months. So uh, I can certainly appreciate it if he wants to uh, take a little time, watch the kids grow and, uh, and, and do some other things, but it, it's always fun watching them. I know he had a really uh, difficult decision to make on the last day of that tournament. And I wish we could have filmed um, Mike going through that process of being, you know, he, it, it was not an easy qualification. He, the, the guys in and around him uh, had displaced him from third place after the first day of competition by a couple points. So he had to go get it done on the last day. And man, oh man, he was, you know, was he going to go left? Was he going to go right? Was he going to swing for the bleachers? Should he lay up? How should he play it? And he played it right and he played it just right, and he, uh, and he got himself qualified. So amazing decision, Mike, and uh, congrats again. Yep. But that's an amazing career. You know, nobody, in my, in my mind at least, displaces Kevin Van Dam as the greatest competitive bass angler of all time. You know, seven AOIs, four classics, yeah. 25 BASS wins, multiple wins on the MLF side. Nobody can top kvd for the accomplishments but if you just want to look at the guys who have who have checked the most individual boxes it's iconelli he's won a classic he's won an aoy he's caught 100 pounds in a tournament he's won well over a million bucks he's won a kayak tournament he's won a federation tournament championship you know he's got tv shows you know and now he's now his his bait has just won overall best of show at icast Nobody yep. checks as many boxes as Mike Iaconelli. You're right about yep. that. You're right about it's that. Not, it's it's not an easy thing to do to, to qualify for the elites through the opens. You know. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's. I think it's the. I think it might be the toughest thing to do in our sport right now. Really? You know. Yeah. And, and I think the opens have been watered down a tad, uh, because in 2018, a lot of the guys who would still be fishing the opens, got invited to the elites. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think qualifying for the elites through the opens is, is, is one of the toughest things you can do in this sport. Yep. I agree. There, there, you got all the local sticks. You've got a lot of really high level pros and you cannot, you cannot miss you. You have to, you have to get checks every event, uh, top finishes in, in every event in order to even have a chance. Yeah, um, you're, you're really looking at six days of competition. If you make it to the final day in the top 10, that's kind of just gravy. But out of those six days, you can't have a bad, you can't have a, a bad day one or day two. You can suck on day three if you want to, it won't matter. But you can't have a bad day one or day two. You got to have six solid days. Yeah, so hard to do. So, so hard to do. Speak, so, speaking you know, of solid days, how about mm -hmm. Matt over at BTL? Uh, our boy... Pamrack just just had a, a wonderful uh, Thousand Islands tournament. Great story. Uh, I bumped into him just after he weighed in, and his heart was pounding out of his chest because he 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 just had a miraculous last minute heroics event where he had eight pounds, and all day he was about, he was about ready to bail on his area. I think he went 
for one more pass and he popped like two six pounders and a five pounder, something like that. Something crazy. Yeah. Six, uh, six. And, and weighed in 20 pounds and did it all in, in, the, in just moments before he came and weighed those fish in. So, uh, man, you want to talk about keeping your cool? Yeah. Congratulations, Matt. Matt. Heck Good yeah. Here you go, Panger. Hell yeah. I got to visit nice. Panger a little bit a couple of weeks ago in, uh, in Wisconsin at a, a media junket. Always good to visit with Matt. And, uh, yeah, he winds up the season 11th in overall, AO, uh, overall opens points. And I'm not sure exactly what that's going to translate into for him in terms of uh, other opportunities, but I'm sure hoping he can he can live his dream. Yep. Wait, wait a minute. 11th in that is the because he fished all the opens. So of all the guys that did that, he finished 11th place. Does, that's correct. So does that needs, get an invitation? He, he needs one person to double qualify. Uh, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't want to no say knows. that because I don't know. Uh, and I don't know if any of those guys did double qualify because naturally uh, you got to believe somebody double qualified, but I, I just don't know. Right. Hmm. All right. One more to come. And there's, and there's other issues too, because, you know, Riz, if, uh, if a guy who, if a guy who gets invited to the elites, well, I don't know. It's, you hate to think that he might be the bubble boy and, and there's no way in, but that might be the situation. I just don't know. I was actually going to have Matt what? ask Matt to come on tonight until, until you uh, came up with that idea, Ken. So just want to bring well, that up. The idea that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. The one that didn't work out. <laughs> That's a little hey, trivia. I just want to throw in there. Fun fact. Wow. Thank you, BTC. You got it, buddy. <laughs> well, so, so fun to see Matt thrilled and and what a great job hope you get in hope you get in man i really do same here uh great effort um you know coming up way far away from home fishing all these bodies of water and and getting it done at last minute man really really cool yeah but uh but we do you remember when uh thousand islands changed from a largemouth fishery to a smallmouth fishery ken do you know that do you have any data on that like because it was largemouth largemouth right for the first several well, there, there've always been a, a big smallmouth element there, uh, but obviously it's it's pretty much all that now, more or less. Um, you know, there's there's what I I like to call the spotification of America, because I think that uh, it, it's really spotted bass that are kind of taken over. In talking with biologists, you know, they'll they tell me that as as um, fertility of our waters. Uh, decreases and as the waters age and clear that uh, spotted bass are kind of filling that void but at least at thousand islands you know that that kind of thing and we're dealing with a natural body of water there so it's not planned by the same rules but uh, yeah it's been a it's been a, a different transition there um, and, and keep in mind that that even though there were a lot of um, a lot of largemouth caught back in the day there. A big fish on the St. Lawrence uh, in the early days would have been a largemouth. Like for example, the first time bass ever went to the St. Lawrence, big fish in that tournament was uh, seven pounds, 10 ounces. Wow. And uh, cool. nowadays, big fish at that tournament 
is uh, is six battles. Andrew Upshaw caught a six thirteen, so those numbers are are catching up. But um, we still see the lower numbers because the bigger fish now are the smallmouth. Yep, yep, and you're getting capped out there, tapped out there a little bit. I wish the organizations uh, kept up with things like how many largemouth, how many smallmouth, but but they just don't, and it's a shame. A lot of great data has escaped us because the organizations don't look at themselves as a record keeping entity. Well, I, it would be, we tried to keep like when I did research for this, for my first tournament on thousand islands, I read about largemouth, largemouth, largemouth. And I targeted largemouth and largemouth couldn't touch the winner uh, of, with smallmouth. So it was so far behind the times. Uh, but now with the internet, everything's so fast, we're getting so much more data that's accurate. It's, it's, it's super interesting, but back then it, I thought I was going to try to win with largemouth. I couldn't have been further from the truth. You know, we are getting more data because of the internet, Pete, but we're not getting any more data out of the, uh, out of the big tournament organizations because they're, they're continuing in their old system. Now, my hope is that MLF is that difference maker. And, and I think they will be because they have so many more data points. They have so many more fish catches being recorded and so forth. So my hope is, and they're also working very closely with a lot of different uh, conservation organizations and biologist groups. So my hope is that, that those guys are, are really gonna stay on top of it and offer us the kind of data that uh, Bass U members and fans have always, always wanted, but never really had access to. Well, that's a tremendous amount of data. I don't know how to consume it all. I mean, it's every day, just so many fish being caught, but uh, it'll be fascinating if they can get their arms wrapped around that and, and, and give us some interesting data like that. Like, for instance, Lake St. Clair, we watched Wesley Strader yesterday uh, dominate his group with largemouth on, on Lake St. Clair and Lake Erie. It was really, really cool. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I super enjoyed watching that, by the way. Uh, we're so used to watching Lake St. Clair um, being one with a drop shot or, or whatever it may be, to watch Wesley punching or, I don't know, Texas rigging, whatever he was doing, uh, you know, to, to exploit the largemouth that are just untapped over there. Uh, they, work, they work for the MLS. It's really cool. Yeah, we've seen guys go into smallmouth fisheries and win by going after largemouth, you know, whether it's Tommy Biffle throwing a frog or Denny Brower getting in the thick stuff and and flipping and punching. But uh, on somebody's of water in the St. Lawrence, probably one of them, you got to catch the big smallmouth if you're going to have a chance. Mm-hmm. At least right now. Well, here's there's believe, bets Pete. on what, what I use to win or okay. what I use to catch all my fish. Um, it was not a black Senko. What? Uh, I call it almost 20 pounds a day. You're not able to find any black Senkos? Not on a black Senko, but a black little general. (laughs) So the other Senko. The other Senko. So we were were Ned rigging up there uh, at Thousand Islands this year. And um, it it was three inch Pete, four inch. what What size? Uh, I don't know. Whatever size this is, what's it say? <laughs> uh, two point seven five. Oh, oh, 
Seven centimeters. How heavy? Uh, how heavy a head, Pete, on the on the jig? Half ounce. Half ounce. Yeah. Half ounce net head. On a spinning head. on a spinning outfit. On a spinning outfit. Yep. Um, I went with uh, I went with a twelve pound test fluorocarbon leader, which okay. kind of flies in the face of you know really not it's not really a finesse fishing rig at all. What rod? But Pete? Um, what's that? What rod? Uh, it was a it was a casting seven and a half foot medium action, okay. uh, seven and a half feet meet you know. And I always like the longer uh, spinning rods when I'm when I'm up there, just be able to keep pressure on those big smallmouth. So seven um, six, seven six medium. Okay. Okay. Pete, since you're is. throwing, you got a twelve pound leader, you got uh, a half ounce lead head there. At what point would you have switched over to a casting outfit? Yeah, Pete. You know, I honestly, I like a spinning outfit because I can move more line faster. Uh, I really can. When you got, I get, use a size 4,000. Uh, it's got a big spool and it's got a big reel handle. And I can. It's got a saltwater reel, Pete. Come on. It's Yeah, it very much so. Uh you but you can pick it up you can pick up that line and and get pressure on those fish uh and i just drag i would too, need right? you know of course you could you could use a rocket like a 10 to 1 uh bay casting reel um you know but there's um i don't know i just with a spinning rod what what else what else does it do that's really cool the casting is easy a, a lot of times you're bomb casting what was that ken I'm sorry. I said a four thousand. Are you using a pen spinning reel? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Get them. If you ever seen the show Wicked Tuna, it's actually one of theirs. W Wicked smallmouth right. with Captain. Yeah. Wicked small. Dude. Yeah. He he borrowed it from uh, HV Tuna or whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> uh, yeah. You guys want to sissify fishing for smallmouth? You guys go ahead and do it. But I'm powering up, man. That's good. <laughs> right on. Pete, you know, talk about your main line. Uh, my main line was 10 pound test gamma gamma torque and i had 12 pound test uh gamma edge leader so i was uh i i powered up one of my biggest problems uh early on in my event which cost me dearly is the the ned rig is new to me like uh I've, these are the first fish i've ever caught with it and um the big smallmouth is really difficult to keep them buttoned up. And you guys uh, that fish up there, you know, it's they have such strong jaws. And Scott Dobson talked about it when he was with us um, and Bash You Live, I guess, the last time we were, or two weeks ago or whatever, but um, talked about the strength of their jaws. And I couldn't agree more. They grab it and they hold it. And then when they decide to release, it's just gone and there's no there's no moving that hook inside their mouth of a big strong fish like that so when i was rigged with i had eight pound braid with a eight pound leader i could not get uh the penetration i i was losing the big ones what a, what a cool setup you only lose the big ones you know? <laughs> good point i'm personally hurt that these are really your first ned rig fish after having Ned Katie on this show more than a year ago. <laughs> I know, I know. I guest, and it took you more than a year. Yes. 
to go out there. And by the I, way, the 4,000 size spinning reel does not have anything to do with finesse fishing at all. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, Ken, that's moving very fast for me to adopt a technique in, in a year. It is, yeah. actually. Uh, <laughs> this is post-COVID. Post-COVID, Pete moves a lot faster than pre-COVID. Pete. Yeah. How, how are you handling these fish, Pete? And what I mean by that is, like, how are you managing them once you hook them? And I ask because I've noticed that specifically with the Johnston brothers, these guys, they don't mess around a ton when they hook these big smallmouth on the St. Lawrence River. Like, they, they set the hook, they wind, they get them to the boat, and they they belly them in the boat. Like, it's a, it's a quick thing every time. Were mm-hmm. you... Were you backing down on the drag and letting the fish fight, or were you trying to like bully the fish once you once you went up to that bigger, you know, that 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 bigger setup with the twelve pound test? How 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 were you like when you started to adjust to get the bigger ones in? What was that adjustment that you needed to make? Uh, I was flipping three and a half pounders in the boat. Oh. I was boat flipping them. Um, the but the bigger fish, I I. I'm more like the Johnston brothers, like I, with, with 12 pound leader, uh, I could afford to put some pressure on the fish, but at the, at the same time, you, you got to have that balance. You can't put too much pressure on them because they come to the boat hot. Right. And they're, they're absolutely, you know, acrobatic. And, you know, so you, you gotta, you've got to play them to the appropriate amount, whatever that is. Every fish is different, but I can tell you this. I, I was not, you know, taking an extended period of time. I'd put the Minn Kota on spot lock and let it do the work of holding the boat in place. And I had, uh, I had system where depending on what side of the boat I was on, I'd either sit down in the driver's seat or I would kneel down at the passing in front of the passenger seat and I could belly land the fish much I, lo- I like doing it on the passenger seat way better. I was way more successful and I could do it way faster if I could kneel down, get my center of gravity really, really low. And, um, and I, I could belly those fish really, really much quicker that way. So, right. but you know, I never lost any at the boat. All the ones I lost were, like I said, because of the, I had light line, I couldn't get hook penetration. Those fish would come up and throw it and they, and they would always let you see them too, you know, just to add a little insult to injury. You know oh, yeah. what I mean? It, it would be nice if they were down deep and you would like, I, I don't really know if that was big or little. No, these big ones would come up. They would shark right across the surface. You would see that they were monsters, open their mouth and they were gone, <laughs> you know? So crazy, Pete, crazy I, stuff. You, you done with that? All right. Yo, so back to that 400 reel Pete, um, or 4,000? 4,000, yeah. Were you doing a lot of vertical dropping? I was. Okay, because spinning rod's way better than the casting rod for that. Uh, the great point. Great point, uh, right. Brian, because that's, you know, you'd see the noodles on, uh, and I was using just Humminbird 2D a lot for these, and uh, you would come over those big ones, and you'd just see that lasagna noodle right on the bottom, and you and a lot of times you'd see that noodle stuck to the bottom, yeah. uh, which meant they're, they're, they were like, you could see the slight separation between the bottom 
and whatever was there, and you, you you got to recognize that these were the big ones. And uh, and I would drop right on them, drop right on them with that with with yeah. that little general, that power that uh, Max sent. Man, they would they had a hard time resisting it. And uh, <laughs> you know that that the four thousand was really good at that at, at being able to drop and and a less line twist with the big spool. And, you know, and then when you get home, you can take it out tuna fishing, you know? There you go. So I just, I just fished, uh, I fished a derb on Saturday and I was fishing some trees that, that, that submerged trees that go from the bank out to 40, 50 feet, right? It's, uh, to, to flip vertical trees that, that, that are that deep. I mean, you, you put a flipping rod, you cast, and you're peeling line like this as you're trying to get that the speed yeah. of the bait, you know, without any, without it being slowed down by by your spool. So, I was thinking, a heavy, heavy spinning rod would be far better. Heavy line, right. heavy rod, stout rod, just just get that thing to fall straight down. Brian needs a, a four thousand series spinning reel on that place just because of the line capacity. Yes, that too. You can't reach the bottom with a two thousand. There's not enough line on it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to use these big spools down there in Florida, Mister Duke. You know. Yeah, but that's way too close to salt. When, when I taste salt, I know I've gone the wrong direction. I turn around. <laughs> I like salt. I like salt too, but on food, mm. I'm talking about the beach. Pretzels. I'm a pretzel guy. Come on. You're not a saltwater guy, Ken? You don't go do that sometimes? I do that sometimes. The difference for me is when I go bass fishing, I feel like I'm totally an active participant. You know, I have my own ideas about where I'm going to find them, what baits to throw, how to do it, stuff like that. <laughs> if I get on a saltwater boat somewhere, I'm just, I'm just luggage. I'm just going to do exactly what the captain tells me to do because I don't really know anything. I don't know enough. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I love, I like saltwater fishing, but I'm like you, I'm a bass guy, but I, I enjoy it all. And, uh, and those, but those 4,000 reels, they do look like saltwater reels, man. They look, they look kind of awkward and out of place, but, uh, I've got piles of them and everybody makes, them, you know, not just pen. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to ask you, was that the pen slammer three or four? Or which, which slammer was Did that? you set it to bait runner at any point? <laughs> it's it's easier for these big polish fingers to get around the drag too did you wear one of those things. belts where you put the rod handle in and... <laughs> a fighting belt <laughs> yeah Dude, we're I all can gonna see, figure out pete i can we're see you on the front out. deck no he's on the back deck <laughs> he's on the back deck with a spot lock <laughs> spot lock and the big rolling waves of the st lawrence just leaned into that lean pole with the fighting belt on that's awesome oh, God. pump it up reel down yeah. pump up reel down <laughs> you know, co-angle going, going back in your brow yeah. a, a serious point about the smallmouth thing here and and you know the the pumping um I caught a lot more smallmouth when I learned that uh, that I've got to set the hook and be cranking at the same moment with smallmouth, because if those guys get any slack at all, they're coming off. Maybe it's because of the strength of the jaws or whatever. Maybe it's because they are ultimately so acrobatic that they're going to throw it. But floating fly fishing for smallmouth, anything with a single hook, I've learned that I've got to set and be on that reel immediately. Yeah. And to Brian's point about the 
the Johnston's not wasting any time. That's the only way I've ever been able to put smallmouth in the boat is to take that same approach. Yep. You can't let pressure off. I see guys doing it all the time. They lower that rod or whatever it is, but you're right. You got to set, you got to pressure. And that's where, that's where that rod comes in or that reel comes in. It just, it just keeps that rod bent and uh, keeps them pinned. Cue, and, the, um, cue the clip from when the Ike and the uh, MLF were on the BPT were on St. Clair and, and uh, the JT and Marty were talking about Ike and Justin Lucas. How come it, how come their fish don't jump? They're the only guys whose fish don't jump because they set the hook and they back off and they don't put pressure on them. So who, do, who does that? Ike. Ike doesn't put pressure on Ike and Justin Lucas. I remember, I remember them going on about that. Yeah. Like a lot of guys were struggling with getting, getting, you know, losing them, getting, getting thrown, tossed. Yeah. So I just want to throw that out there and break up your party. Everybody's all talk. Power. <laughs> 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 Crank it in. Yeah, yeah it, it, it. Just horse it in. Pass University. <laughs> Heavy line. Big rods. Let's go. <laughs> I like that. That sounds good. Yeah. Let's do this. You know who else who else really really jacks him is Jacob Wheeler. Like he does not play around, man. Uh Saint just cranks him in. So yeah, but I don't. Why does he it, have a right hand retrieve spinning reel when he also casts right handed? What's up with that? <laughs> Y'all have seen that, right? No, but I yeah, haven't taken notes. Right handed, no. and then he changes the rod over to the left hand and cranks right handed. Who does that? <laughs> there are a couple of young guys who do it. Wow. But I'm trying not to get negative here. Mate, well, he's, he inspires a, a whole new group of people. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, if Wheeler does it, I'm going to try it probably. But uh, Travis Manson <laughs> has a spin around with two hands like it's fly fishing. He basically yeah, throws his bait. Hey, it's ridiculous. That's the thing they always, you know, advocate about a spinning outfit is you never have to take it out of your casting hand. Right. But Wheeler does. I don't understand why. It's weird. It's a great time to take commercial break. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> that was my segue, BTC. <laughs> I'm smooth like that. Yeah, yo. Yeah. It is. It is, BTC. Let's do it. Let's take a quick commercial break. We're going to be back with Colo talking about Guinness Book World Records. That's right. 24 hours of fish catches. I cannot wait to hear how this went down. So uh, we'll be back right after this. moment on the water not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Tackle Warehouse is proud to sponsor the FLW Pro Circuit and is the official tackle retailer of FLW. 
providing proven bass fishing gear, as well as the newest and hottest tackle. Our friendly and knowledgeable customer service staff can help you every step of the way. And we offer free ground shipping on orders over $50. Tackle Warehouse, everything for the bass angler at the lowest prices. Guaranteed. I have to be constantly on the lookout for new techniques to stay on the top of my game. Giant. Some have been more Giant. successful oh God, than others. Giant. The finesse fingernail. Happens every time. The chain gang. Oh ah, broke it off. The crow's nest. Never let go. And don't even get me started on tackle management, especially trying to stop rust and corrosion. Peanut butter. Hmm, I could. Motor oil. Gotta keep the rust off all these baits. WD-40. Gotta keep the rust off. Silica, toothpicks, Q-tips, the list goes on and on. I'm hard on tackle, I fish fast, I need my tackle organized and protected. I can't be worrying about losing baits to rust. And when it comes to tackle management, there's only one solution. Flambo tackle storage systems with Z-Rust technology. The original anti-rust tackle box. Uncompromised clarity. Renowned durability. The infused anti-rust option that is FDA safe and free of harmful chemicals. The organization options are endless, but there's only one. One box, one anti-corrosion technology, one family-owned American-made brand, Flambo. Z-Rust Tackle Solutions. Preserve, perform, repeat.